The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. This text is the basis for today's message. God's Word recorded in Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I think verse 1 in this text today in Matthew is really easy to gloss over, but I don't want to jump into the Beatitudes without first paying attention to the very first line. Matthew starts with Jesus seeing the crowds. God sees them. And he sees you this morning. Now, seeing can mean the ocular job that our eyeballs do in receiving light input and diagnosing it for our brains, what's happening in front of us, but it can also mean what our mind and our heart perceive and know and understand. And so when Jesus sees the people before he starts this Sermon on the Mount, He recognizes where they are. He knows their heart. He knows their condition. And that's what he speaks into. This morning, I think it's super important that we recognize that our God sees us today. Later in Matthew, we have Jesus doing this exact same thing. He sees the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you think about it, don't all of us really long to be seen and understood? How incredible is it that our text today says that our God sees and understands us? Of a friend that I met several decades ago who grew up in Africa. His father and mother were missionaries in Africa, and he shared with me the greeting that when the natives would come together, they would say, I see you, instead of, hello, how's it doing, how are you, fine, I see you. How much power is there? Think of all the different relationship issues that we have in this world that would be solved if we would just see each other a little more clearly. And it's amazing to me that when Jesus sees them and when he sees us, he 
He sees us through His lens of love and compassion. I think sometimes a lot of our problems in this world could be solved if we would just see God. If we could know and understand who He truly is, what existence with Him truly looks like, and what our future is today, I think our perspective on life might just be a little bit healthier. To know Him just a little bit better, to to have a deeper understanding of His greatness, His awesomeness, His power that is focused and concentrated in His love for us. To see how amazing life everlasting is going to be and hold on to that hope that we have right here and right now. So the problems of this life, I think, would seem a little bit smaller. And then Jesus, seeing us, He walks us into the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, if you will, are kind of like a doorway into the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And if that's the case, then the very first Beatitude is the doorway to the doorways. How many of you here have seen the St. Louis Arch? Just out of curiosity, in person, not just a picture. Yeah, good. It's really quite something. It's the gateway to the West. That's the, the whole purpose for its shape, is that it is in itself a doorway for those who are going from the East to the West, which, by the way, side note, always I was a little bit misunderstanding. I grew up in Kansas, west of the Mississippi River, which was Midwest, and there's so many states on the East of the Mississippi that consider themselves Midwest. If you know the answer to why, let me know after the service. But for those traveling into the West, they would pass through the Mississippi River. That was the way that you had to get to the West. And so St. Louis with the arch, that is the gateway into this new and exciting, adventurous land. Well, The Beatitudes are exactly that same thing for the Sermon on the Mount. For the riches of the Sermon on the Mount, you go through the Beatitudes. Receive the blessings of God in order to receive the riches of the land that's on the other side. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And here we have the doorway to the doorway of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the beginning beatitude, blessed. To be blessed is a person who has experienced positive circumstances, has a, a happy disposition, has life beyond care, an existence that wants for nothing, especially when we focus and understand that this is talking about grace, salvation, everlasting life, blessed. To have all that you need. Whenever I think about this, I, 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 my mind goes back to the images that I've seen in different types of movies that have to do with a treasure room. Like movies like National Treasure where Nicolas Cage walks in, finally finds this treasure room that he's been searching for the entire movie long. He takes his torch and he lights uh, what's maybe gunpowder and, and it lights up the entire room, but not just that room filled with gold and treasure, but room after room after room after room. And I think sometimes as Christians, we stand in front of that treasure room of God 
seeing all the riches, all the glory, all the peace, all the joy, and we stand there wondering how in the world are we going to pay our Duke Energy bill? As we worry about the problems of the here and the now today, where all the treasures of God lie in front of us that we are in possession of right now. You see, we disciples of Jesus who live in the time after his resurrection, but before his coming again in glory, we possess the reign of God right now. The kingdom of God is not something that we have to wait for. Someday we get to receive, but it's something that we have possession of right here and right now today. His grace, His forgiveness, His adoption into family through the waters of our baptism, His refreshing of our souls through His body and blood given at His Lord's Supper, the cleansing that we receive in the words of the absolution. We receive all of those treasures today. Today, you are blessed. Now, poor in spirit, of course, is not a financial condition, but a spiritual condition of being completely empty, completely spiritually bankrupt, just empty of yourself. And it's only when you are empty of yourself that God can fill you with Him to pour His Holy Spirit into you, to have all of your spiritual needs met, not through your own efforts, but through His. All right, that's the doorway. Now that we understand that we are empty of ourselves, filled up with God, we are blessed with all of the kingdom of heaven in our possession today, now we walk into the rest of the Beatitudes and the Sermon of the Mount beyond that. The first several Beatitudes have to do with our spiritual condition, that we come to God in our brokenness. Listen to the next group of people that God desires to bless. For those who mourn, for the meek, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this is the condition that we come in the presence of God. Those who mourn. It's easy for me in my mind to think, well, mourning happens when, when we remember those who have gone before us. The sadness that we have over death in this life. But mourning happens for many, many more reasons than that. Anytime we observe in this world the brokenness that is not the condition that God created this world to be, the fallenness, the hurt, the problems, the famine, the wars, the struggles, the strife, turn on the news and mourn. This is the mourning, the fallenness, the broken condition of this world. Do you personally, this morning, long for something more, a better condition for your world, for your home, for yourself? And then we have the meek. Meek too often is understood as weak, but it couldn't be anything further from being weak because meekness is a strength that is within that decides and chooses not to act in such a way as to remove themselves from their circumstances. Jesus, we see, being incredibly meek as he was on the cross. His strength 
revealed on the cross and all of the events that led up to it. At any moment, Jesus could have removed himself from that time and that place. And yet it was his meekness that held him there. It was his meekness that said, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. It was meekness that he spoke to Pilate, saying, you have no power over me except that which is given to you by my Father. It's the strength to act, yet choosing not to. And then those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, I think many of us can can connect with that feeling of being hungry or thirsty. I, I doubt that most of us have any idea of what it's like to literally starve. But all of us can connect with being hungry. I anticipate being hungry in about 45 minutes to an hour and a half. You know, that feeling of dissatisfaction in your stomach that, that grumbles, that you're, you're thinking, some of you already, I should have had breakfast this morning, but I didn't. Maybe your body starts to get a little bit weaker. Your brain doesn't quite function as well as it should. You don't have the energy. You feel more lethargic. And thirsty, that, that parched feeling in your throat that you know your body is dehydrated, that your brain isn't functioning the way that it should. You're, you're dry. And when you're in those conditions, you, you long for food, you long for satisfaction, for, for flavors to, to gush into your mouth, to your stomach to feel full and content. We understand these feelings. But to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to have that desire inside of you for more and more of God's Word, to have that desire in you to come and, and be in God's presence and in worship with one another, to receive His body and His blood, to celebrate and remember your adoption into His family through baptism, to, to yearn for more of Him, to have an insatiable craving for receiving and sharing God's grace. Well, if these are you, then hear the blessings. You shall be comforted. You see, those who see the world from God's perspective and long for it to be renewed and restored will be comforted ultimately when Jesus comes to make all things new, but knowing that He is coming brings you comfort today, that you live from a place of victory, that you shall inherit the earth. Going back to that treasure room that I pictured earlier, I wish that we could all just go up into the, the throne room of God and stand there and bask in His glory and go, this is how good life really gets. My problems aren't comparing. They're not worth comparing to this glory. And be satisfied. I'm probably the only one in this room who has ever thought to myself, I am starving, and you know what sounds really good? Fast food. And in my mind, I can see how good that fast food burger looks, and I can remember how delicious it tastes, and, and it drives me into the drive-thru, and I get it, I'm so excited, the smells are just what I remember, and I bite into it, and it's... Yeah. 
It doesn't quite live up to the excitement or the memory, right? It falls short of the expectation. God's glory never falls short of the expectation. It's always greater, always better, and always satisfies. And then Jesus moves us from this portion of the Beatitudes into a new portion. From going from talking about the conditions of our heart to going to talk about who we are when we are in Christ. Christ's characteristics reflected in our own lives. And here are the blessings for those who are merciful, those who are poor in heart, those who are peacemakers. The merciful... Remember, we pray in the Lord's Prayer to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Last week, I spent some time in the sermon talking about God's greatest love. God's love in us creates love in us for other people. He grows our capacity to love Him and others more fully. To be merciful is to withhold judgment that's deserved. To bear with this broken mess of a world without pulling back from it or denying that it's there. But to lean into it with mercy. See, it's not possible to become a disciple following after Jesus and not become more merciful to the world. The pure in heart. Now, if I'm being totally honest, I can look through these Beatitudes and go, yes, that's me most of the time. Yes, that's me most of the time. That's me some of the time. That's me every once in a while. And then I get to pure in heart. (laughs) Be pure in heart, said no one about me anytime. (laughs) Or if they really knew me, they wouldn't. I think back to all of those mythical quests that happen in, in, in literature where, where this hero, this unassuming hero, but pure in heart, was capable of, of going out and completing this epic quest only because he was pure in heart. Which reflects, of course, just the greatest story and historical occurrence ever when Jesus, who was pure in heart, did that mythical quest of salvation that only he could do because he was pure in heart, the perfect sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, if you're anything like me and pure in heart is the last way that you would describe yourself, well, here's the good news, is that we come to our Father and we say, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me And it's through His grace that God wakes your heart up and purifies it through the sacrifice of Christ. It's not from inward purity, but it's from above. And the peacemakers. Now this is an area in life and life and ministry where I continually find myself challenged. And this is a major role of being a disciple, not just a pastor, but everybody who follows after Jesus is to be a a peacemaker. Anytime conflict arises, especially relational conflict, it's our role to bring reconciliation. 
to bring peace. Now, I wish it could be different, right? I, I really do. I, I wish that you could just open up a divine whooping can and just smite all of those who came against you in the name of God. But by the grace of God, that's not how he deals with us, even though he has every right. He brings himself, he brings himself to a place of judgment instead. And Jesus on the cross receives that divine beating that we deserve in our place to bring peace to us, to restore us into a right relationship with him so that we can be in a right relationship with each other. We are to constantly grow in this capacity to be a peacemaker, to bring reconciliation and reunification over rejection. Peace faking, as opposed to peacemaking, happens when we turn a blind eye to sin. We, we love to forgive sins. God, or we love to sin. God loves to forgive sins. So let's just relax and we'll do what we do and let God do what he does and everybody's going to be happy. That's not peacemaking. There's also peace breaking. When we condescendingly condemn sin and everyone else, maybe even ourselves, with no grace. But peacemaking requires both law and the gospel. It requires leaning into the difficult conversations and leaning into it with love and grace, with restoration as the goal. Now to those individuals who reflect these images of Jesus, here are the blessings that God pours out. Receiving mercy. God doesn't treat us in the way that we deserve. He treats us even better. This next blessing I love, it's they shall see God. To know and understand Him, to be in His presence, to know His goodness and mercy and love. To be called sons of God. To know that in the waters of our baptisms we have each been named a son or daughter of our Father in heaven. As we move from who we are in our brokenness and from whom we are in Christ, then Jesus enters us into a new stage of the Beatitudes that have to do with our mission in Him. That we are blessed in mission. For those who are persecuted, reviled, spoken poorly of for righteousness' sake. Now, these aren't just the times when people treat you poorly because you've been not a nice person. <laughs> because when people treat you badly because you've treated them badly, well, that's just that's a natural consequence of being not a nice person. But when people mistreat you for the sake of the gospel, because of your witness of who Jesus is, and when they persecute you, when they revile you, when they roll their eyes at you, when they hurl insults at you because of Jesus, because of what you do as a disciple following after God, you are blessed. You are blessed indeed. We'll be blessed by God to carry out this mission in the company of Christ who was also persecuted 
in the company of all of the major prophets and minor prophets who were persecuted in the pathway of every disciple who has ever spoken Jesus' name and received punishment for it. You are in good company. You are blessed by God. You are filled with that joy. That throne room is before you. And you are in possession of all of it today. Those who are eager to save souls for the kingdom of God. Well, sometimes it's, it's easy to just see suffering in this world as just a necessary evil, just something that we have to encounter in order to accomplish our mission. But it's not just something that exists because the world hates God. God in His sovereignty has this unique ability to take even this persecution and use it to build His kingdom. Think about all of those who have been persecuted for their faith and yet remain faithful, the witness of their life, the testimony of their faith speaks volumes. You see, it's not just in spite of pain and suffering and persecution that the gospel wins. It's not just in spite of the cross that the gospel wins. It's through it. It's through the suffering and the persecution that God brings his victory. If you are being persecuted for your faith today in any, in any shape or form, know that it's not just something that you have to endure, but celebrate the fact that through it, Christ is carrying out his gospel and his mission and his kingdom is being built. The theologian N.T. Wright wrote this, and so we go to our work in prayer and in faith with the sacramental ministry and prayer of the church around us and behind us and with the knowledge that the victory on the cross will one day have its full effect. We expect to suffer, but we all know already that we are victorious. That victory, the blessings of the beatitude, you have today. And may that bring you a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This week, our weekly awakening question that we would love for you to digest with your friends, your family, maybe around the lunch table today is this. How will you use Jesus' blessings to bless someone else this week? the blessings that God has so richly poured out on you, how will you use that in mission for him this week?